Garvey, we recorded on January 16th. It is now January 18th, and this is basically a first part to what organically ended up working out to being a two-part episode that's going to end up airing just after this. Uh, I'm putting them both together as a two-parter, even though they were not designed to be a two-part episode kind of situation. So, man, I don't know. We're about to get into it. We're about to go hard. Come on in. It hasn't been a long... No, yeah, it hasn't been a long time at all. But it does seem like it's been forever. Yeah. I don't... It's, time isn't moving right anymore. <laughs> like, it's just it's, not... It's not. It's... Um, I feel like uh, 2020 was five years in one. Um, I feel like the beginning of 2021 has been about three or four months at a time. Yeah. We're, it's January 16th. Let's just start there. It is January 16th today. And the last time, what was the date when we recorded last? Do you remember? It's probably not. It's like probably three weeks. <laughs> I'm, I don't think it was that long ago. I don't either. Hold on. So you were editing on the 4th of this month hmm. and it was the 30th. It was the, it 30th, was the 30th. So it December. was, it was 17 days ago, 18 Jeez. days ago, <laughs> not even a full 20 days ago. It hasn't even been a month. It's not even been three weeks. Hasn't been three weeks, just shy of. Oh and my it feels like six different worlds have happened in between. We were talking about force the vote. Right. And we and were talking about losing their mind over. Right. It's still relevant. That's great. I'm glad that people didn't neuralize themselves all the way through that because they tried to neuralize themselves. Did you notice they tried to forget about like everything that was happening the day before the Capitol? Yeah. And then they tried to forget that we even had a a world before the Capitol. And it's it's so it's so weird. But yeah, that was happening. What else was going on then? uh, Let's see. We talked about the movie Soul. A little bit. Uh, and oh, Oppression funny. Olympics, which I'm seeing. It's ramping up. It is. It seems to happen anytime people don't want to talk about something. They start being like, well, this is where this is where I've struggled in some <laughs> kind of fashion. Or it's like, you know, I swear to God, it's that people can't quite grab. They've got like a bee in their bonnet and they can't quite figure out. Exa- they hear the buzzing. They feel it land occasionally, but they can't swipe it. They can't swipe. They can't grab it. They can't get a grip on whatever the fuck that thing is. And so then anything that triggers the bee to start fluttering around is something that they think is the bee. Yeah. And they'll th- maybe pick on that thing, maybe pick on another thing. And I uh, just hope that people can maybe like catch up to that human phenomena that's happening all the time right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I, I think we also, uh, one of the things that I've been seeing on Twitter a lot is, um, this, that, that oppression Olympics, but also this sort of, um, the, the, who is a real leftist and who's not. So 
right now there's this arbitrary and when I say arbitrary, I mean that in like the most true sense, because there are so many people who are 100 percent, you know, for something. But if it doesn't look exactly like how they want it to look, then they start attacking other people for having a difference of opinion. And some of that difference is relevant. And some of that difference is so minute. It's like, why are we having this conversation? I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of people who are very angry that people do not have a homogenous ways of thinking about everything. And I think it's very weird that it's weird and it's really childish. Like children get angry over the fact that people don't do or say or look or behave exactly the way that they've, you know, conjured up in their little minds. But I'm seeing a lot of that childlike behavior (laughs) on the left. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to ask you for some specific examples because I feel like you are you're homogenizing and I'm unclear about what you even mean because yeah. of the nature of the homogenization of the delivery. <laughs> so, so, yes. So let me, let me, let me parse this out. So, uh, there is online, I have seen, um, everything from you're not a real leftist if you believe in force the vote. You're not a real leftist if you don't believe in force the vote. You are, uh, not a real leftist if you, have capital. You are not a real leftist. If you're not poor, you're not a real leftist. If you, um, it, it, you can insert anything, honestly. Okay. All right. Those are some examples. Cool. Cause I am, I'm a purity test on leftism. I totally am, but it's not with the intent of being alienating. It's with the intent of challenging people to look at what they're talking about all the time. Yes. So I play it and I play it hard. That's how I, I will continue to approach it. It works. It's effective. Um, cause people aren't thinking they're not thinking yes. and they need to be shocked. But, uh, again, with the issue of, you know, folks are also using it's, you know, we only have so many words and we only have so many moods and tones and only so many ways to read each other. And that's part of why we homogenize because we see things, they affect us in a way. And then we like got to put it somewhere in a bucket so we can communicate about it or yes. whatever with me. So I've been starting to really consider, I'm like, why are people doing these things? Cause I, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a purpose to the conflict that we're in. It just seems like people want to avoid the lesson. And so we keep repeating the same conflicts over and over again and not moving through them. I think the way that you um, just put that makes a lot of sense in terms of you want to challenge people to think you want to get them to understand why they are maybe choosing the language that they're choosing. They hold the ideas that they say they hold. And I think that's great. And I think, I think in the last episode, we may have talked about the fact that, you know, the left needs to be um, whittled down and by whittled down, people need to know, you know, are you a social Democrat or, you know, are you a communist? Are you a socialist? Are you a, an anarchist? And everything to the left of liberal is all lumped together. And it's like, someone who's a social democrat does not have the same beliefs as someone who's a communist who and they definitely don't have the same beliefs as somebody who is an anarchist so we have to really mm-hmm. come down and understand who what the left is and and you know it could be a situation where you know different terms need to be adopted to describe different people who think 
um, about things in, in, in a similar fashion. So if you're a social Democrat, for example, you know, maybe you need your own term, right? Or if you're, if that's where you most align, maybe you need your own term. If you're someone who is a communist, you can probably just use the communist label or you can rebrand it so that it's more palatable to people who don't understand communism or whatever the, the case well, may be. Well, there's on that one, I don't even know that people are remotely talking about the same thing when they use the word communism. Listen, they're not. They're super not. I've been hearing people use the word communalism that are talking about the thing that actually makes sense when they're talking about the the allocation of resources without a state dictator Mm -hmm. that's committing atrocities. Like there's not, they do a both anding, they conflate concepts and then they, uh, I'm homogenizing, I'm theying, I need to hit my, I'm doing, I'm making a their jar where I have to put, I have to put like, I don't want it to be money, but I have to put something in the their jar anytime I do an ominous vague they, or anytime I misgender someone who's told me that their pronoun is they, because I struggle with that a lot. Mm. It's really hard for me to use they as a singular pronoun. It's, it's hard because it, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's a weird context for how we are taught to speak. So I understand. It, honestly, it, I need to just stop it. So I'm, I'm doing a jar for both because they're both <laughs> problematic and I impulsively, compulsively do it. I'm programmed to do it. I'm comfortable doing it and I need to knock it off. I'm not helping by doing it. Mm. Um, and one is actually real harmful on like a systemic and global level in, in like a top down sense. And the other is harmful in a global systemic level through like a personal sense. Like it's like mm-hmm. one is affecting the common discourse and the way that people carry on. And then the other is like, I'm hurting people and that affects the way they carry on in their life. And mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. Like I can be a little bit uncomfortable to not cause like confoundedy and, and distancing alienation kinds of feelings. So anyway, back to my ominous thing and devaguing the fuck out of that. Uh, I don't even remember which they I was talking about. That's, that's I think it was the they of the left. Okay, right. So uh, I've, I've been trying to unpack what exactly it is that people mean, which is lots of different things, mm-hmm. and then what exactly it is that people mean uh, when they're using these – because I get real – when I'm confused about a term or I feel like people are going all these different directions with it, I consult – previously established definitions and that doesn't necessarily just have to be Merriam Webster. I'll fuck with like urban dictionary or, uh, people telling me what a thing means to them. Like Mm -hmm. I will take that into account that fits in the calculation, but there are certain things that I can, I can see a real major issue where people are being counterproductive in their definition of things. Right. Yes. And so, uh, left and right, I, I'm not. I'm not terribly sure exactly if they're meant to be contrast the way that we have them because we don't call right wing people rightists. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We don't have. There's something off about the way these words have evolved into use. And I started noticing some things because I, I was able to coin in my own. I'm sure somebody else has done this, but left ish right. people who are like, right. you know, blue wave, but want to say that they're left because some of the issue too is that. Uh, people get gaslit in reality. And then what happens is when, when you get gaslit by someone that you trust and that you think is supposed to represent something that is safe. Yes. Afterwards, you the PTSD of that carries into the rest of your relationships, specifically with people that are genuinely that because they reflect the thing that triggers your fear. Right. I think that's interesting because that gives some context to the whole Bernie, you know, the, the after Bernie left is what I, what I'd like to call it. 
So you have people who were for some of the things that he was talking about. And, you know, there were some people in 2016, especially who had really started to understand like, oh, I may not be a Democrat. This man has been an independent you know, in the in the Senate, he's run as an independent all throughout his career until it came time to run for president. And so to listen to his ideas, it really woke some people up to say, oh, this current iteration of the Democratic Party does not represent me. And here's this shiny beacon, you know, of hope and, and, and different concepts that I that really resonate with me. And then, you know, when the whole you know, football was dropped at the one yard line, uh, you know, in the, the primary last time. And then, you know, this time it was just outright stolen. You have people who are so angry, who are so upset and who have identified in a certain way for so long that now that their team, quote unquote, isn't, you know, supposedly their team won, right? The Democrats mm. are in the House, they're in the Senate, they're um, with the majority for the most part, uh, and, and they're also in the White House. But those people feel politically homeless. And so now it's just like, well, where can I turn to that makes more sense of what I think is my political ideology at this current state? And then what happens is you get people who will say I'm a leftist or, you know, I'm I'm for communism. And it's just like, but you're not. <laughs> right. Well, you're OK, I don't want I don't want to. I don't want to, we don't need to spiral on this too much. And I don't want to overtly, I'm just about to say something blasphemous, sacrilegious, just like wild. Um, what, what Bernie did to the democratic party, uh, is a little bit like what Trump did to the Republican party. Cause Trump's not really. Oh, it's, a, it's an equivalent. Yeah. Equivalent. Ah, thanks. I'm glad you said that. Thank Thanks. I usually come hard. I usually am just like, Hey, I got something to hammer it in. And I felt real ginger. With. I was like, I can't swing. <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, felt like I was punching myself in the head, uh, which, you know, whatever, uh, not for nothing is, is a, a thing to do sometimes with the way the mood is these days, <laughs> but shucks. Um, uh, God damn it. So this is, this is a, this is an issue with, uh, having bipartisanship be, um, uh, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's status quo. I think it's forcibly reinserted, reasserted, reestablished over and over again, you know, mm -hmm. like a, like a software update on our society through different forms of like cycled propaganda and that flows you know every two years with election cycles mm -hmm. basically and and peaks at different points throughout so w th this makes sense as far as the timeline of the confounding of the terms left wing and right wing in my vantage mm -hmm. which is a little bizarre given the timeline of things i think my lifetime at this point the center of my life falls right on that pivot where nothing made sense anymore. Yeah. Because right wing is about maintaining tradition, institution and establishment. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So as it stands, MAGA people and Trump energy is too artful and too liberal, like in the practical sense of the word liberal, it not is. a politicized yeah. Democrat. It's not, it's not synonymous with Democrat right. because the Democrats are really worried about keeping status quo 
like, because even it, like if MAGA people were to get the kind of society they're aiming for and not actually overtly change laws to do it, they'd have to restack the ways, the arbitrary ways that laws are applied, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're quoting, they're quote, like the anti-masker people are quoting things that actually do exist a lot of the time like not Mm -hmm. all the time some of them are completely batshit but i've heard some people coming out and i'm like oh fuck they're kind of making like legitimate arguments about like essential services being provided and like the the types of things you can refuse service for because if they do have a medical condition they shouldn't be forced to talk about it and that's my same argument over people being forceful about I'm so excited about it. I just got my vaccine. When are you getting yours? Like, don't do the conversation like it, that. Is it, that it's very, it's very weird. Um, it's very weird energy. Um, it just pushes people into corners. And it, it does. my thing early on in the pandemic, I really wanted to see an established divide where businesses that wanted to have people be able to come in without masks would just be able to advertise as such. And people who were going to be diligent about, cause then we would have no, we would have just shopped where we felt safe and where we felt comfortable. Exactly. All exactly. of us. And I don't know. I don't understand why that couldn't happen. That like is what that. should have happened in a capitalistic society though. It's a free market. Yeah, I thought it was a free market. And I don't, I'm not totally opposed to the notion of free market. I am just very intense about the idea that, uh, quote unquote, leftists for real, the left that I understand. And that's Mm -hmm. when I say it, it's, I, I know people who have found areas where it's like, well, look, all of these open abandoned houses that are literally rotting and overrun with pestilence and look at all these homeless people blocks away and they fix that problem with their hands. They right. just do it, right? I could break down all the details. I could use words like squatters. I didn't. <laughs> I just did, but I didn't. Now we're right. moving on, right? So we got to stop for a second because I actually do need to break down all the details of that. In circumstances where abandoned houses covered in pestilence and rotting out from under themselves are quote unquote fixed by hand, what I mean is. I know people who have gone in and with their own money or money that they raise with the community and mutual aid, you know, reinstall a whole new piping system in a, in a house that's been completely stripped for the copper and run out by Because there's multiple types of squatters. I use charged language and I didn't speak enough, so I'm pausing everything to speak some more. Now, there's multiple types of squatters. There's multiple types of ways that a space can be occupied when it's left to rot when it's left to be abandoned and often in urban environments there's a phase where things are uh, available to be taken by people who go in and do things like taking copper and selling it Uh, if nobody's watching somebody's somebody's prone to in an environment that's so capitalistic and fucked up as we have it that said the solutions i've seen i've seen people manifest involve spending their own means and time, their own labor and money, and going and and fixing the systems that are needed to live a safe a safe life in uh, in a home. And they house people in these homes. And I've seen people do it with single family homes and I've seen people do it with apartment complexes. Whole apartment complexes. I've seen people do it in situations where they have uh, somewhat contentious relationships with the owners of the property. And I've seen a lot of circumstances where after the owners find out that somebody's on their property doing this, 
they're actually grateful for it because they were not thinking about it because they could not do anything with it. But it's something that was in the back of their mind bothering them. And knowing that somebody had taken it over has at times been a blessing. It would behoove us to have a system that actually invited this type of relationship dynamic. But whatever. So back to the show. Leftists. Um, fuck, I lost myself. I lost myself. <laughs> I think one of the things that you were saying, though, is that, you know, they're on the right. You have some people who are really passionate about the things that they believe in and they have studied enough of whether it's history, whether it is uh, law, whether it is, uh, you know, policy. They've studied enough of it in certain circles to be able to reasonably throw out a declaration that is not only, you know, it, it may not be likable, it may not make sense to some people, but it's factual in, in the basis of law or um, right. you know, political right. theory or what have you. Yes, um, yes, thank you. Wait, but so where I was getting with that is the thing is, is so laws are always arbitrarily enforced and prioritized. There's plenty of laws that just overtly conflict with each other, especially mm-hmm. when you get into like federal versus state versus municipality, locality kind of laws, right? So there's an there's an unwritten understanding that things are unjust, but in a certain kind of way, right? In order for the MAGA thing to be the thing, it all has to just completely flip. And they never established something, right? So they don't have an institution to be maintaining that they're not right wing, right? Like they cannot be. These terms just don't apply necessarily. Just because we're talking about politics doesn't mean something archaic. We don't use terms from like, the Renaissance or like the dark, you know what I mean? Like we don't talk about things like we have nobility. We don't even talk about things. There are currently monarchies, but here there aren't. And so we can use these terms kind of metaphorically, but people are taking them too seriously. I believe my that. concern, my concern with this, I have like a real specific concern. The thing is the right wing thing then leads to like fascists everywhere, right? Like fascist. Yeah, fa- we. That's a good point. Oh my gosh. I've been, that's the other thing that I've been seeing online as well. And I'm going to let you continue, but that is something Mm -hmm. that I've started to see. People have this very arbitrary and weird definition of what fascism is. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not it. Mm -hmm. That's actually the opposite of what you're, the the thing that you're using to cite fascism is actually anti-fascism. Yes, yes. And and it's funny because they're making shirts that say like anti-antifa and that's true. They're not fascist. They are anti-antifa. Right. They're they don't like food not bombs. They don't like the idea of feeding homeless people. They want to kick homeless people. They want to hunger games with homeless people. That's And true. that's not that's not a right-wing thing. Right wingers just want to have prisons or like some of them actually some right wing people are not like horrible about like homeless folks or people who are destitute. There are homeless people who are right wing. There are people who are poor who are right wing, mm-hmm. who like law. They like the state. They're they're into military. They're into you know what I mean? Like it's not these things are not synonymous. Liberal and Democrat are not synonymous. Republican and conservative are not synonymous. I know you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just really need to dial this in. So my biggest fear right now is I'm seeing my biggest fear in life. My nightmare is re- it's just rolling on and on. It's been happening for months. Okay. The only people that benefit from arbitrary, just liberal application of the word fascist everywhere, the only people that benefit from the liberal application of the word Nazi everywhere 
are actual fascists and actual Nazis. And while people people are pointing at the MAGA folks that are clearly too artful and too erratic to even remotely qualify as right wing, the actual fascism is advancing upon us from behind in the form of techno fascism. And in the form of medical fascism in this weird way that is mm-hmm. it's creeping in to, oh, here's a great offering. And it's coming in a, in a cheerful sense where people are literally like, I just got my vaccine. When are you getting yours? Then putting folks in a position where they have to either not reveal their medical history and end up in a conflict or subject themselves to revealing their medical history or explain, you know what? That's the shit I'm actually concerned about. That's because everybody else, everybody that's like, I'm not doing this by choice like we could have better education around things and better communication to get people closer to points. What, you know what I'm saying? I believe in herd immunity, but I don't trust this program. So I don't trust. I the- think that there's some, and, and, and I hear what you're saying and I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like what you're, you're also saying is that, you know, and, and what you already just said, like the people who benefit from this are the people who are in favor of fascism. And so, mm-hmm. You know, since we spoke, there has been, you know, that uproar that happened at the at the Capitol. And the reason I don't use the word insurrection is because insurrection is directly tied to stripping away people's rights. So if Amen. you think that this is an insurrection, then that means that you have to, by law, and that doesn't, you know, this is going to be their interpretation. By law, we need to do something to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So how do we criminalize the act? I'd like to take a moment to say if this if they really took it seriously as an insurrection, we would have already established martial law and those people would not have. They went home at 3 p.m. when the curfew was called in advance. They all left. And I was shocked to hear that the next day. I was like, are they still out? And the answer was no. And I was like, what do you mean? And then I was informed of how that all wrapped up. And I was like, this is already I mean, it was fishy before, but like. Yeah, what? 6 p.m. Eastern, they started dispersing 3 p.m. your time. They started to right. kind of, right. yeah, dispersing. And my thing is, if you use, you know, you have to be very deliberate about the language. And that is, I think that's what it, it's all coming back to. And that's what we're, we're talking about right now is just the language. So you have people who are on the left who are, you know, really angry with people if they don't parrot the language. Because you can't sit in front of someone, you're on Twitter, you can't sit in front of someone and see and have an in-depth conversation and do all these sorts of things. So you want to know the quickest way possible to decide if this person is an ally or not. So mm-hmm. you want to see the, the, the exact language that you would use to be able to describe all of the things that you are interpreting. That's what well, you want. Our brains are evolved to expend the least amount of energy to get maximum output. And maximum output is making us feel safe and comfortable. And, right? and that's what people are looking for right now. They're looking for that safety. They're looking for that comfort because they feel frazzled and disenfranchised and, you know, downtrodden and, you know, uh, taken advantage of by the government and all these things. And so what we're seeing now is you're trying, you see the, the use of language from the corporate media to, and then you see that sort of starting to trickle down to everyone else. So people are using words like, you know, coup and insurrection. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not what those things mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. That's not what those things look like. That's mm-hmm. not what happened. It mm-hmm. was a riot. It was overrun. It was chaos. Absolutely. But was it a coup? No. I mean, I felt, like, I felt like I felt like it was just a regular ass Klan rally. I don't even know that calling it a riot is... You know what I mean? Like they went 
particularly to the Capitol to like be a little like rowdy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like all those people were just having a regular ass Tuesday kind of, you know, just an extra, they were all together and extra, but like, you don't steal mail unless you steal mail. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't like, mm-hmm. you don't march in with your attitude. And, like you could tell the ones that had never been there before. Cause they tased themselves in the balls when they were reaching up for some kind of piece of art or whatever. Um, and you, you could tell them like the, the gloaters are gloating like you, and like they, they aren't like doing anything but that in a cluster. Like, and so that is why I feel like the language situation applies a lot because everything that we're talking about does revert back to language, how you label yourself, how you label your views, how you see this particular situation. And then how that language is able to, is how the mainstream media and, you know, the powers that be are able to use that language in order to advance real actual fascism in the form of censorship, in the form mm. of deplatforming, in the form of, you know, government overreach, in the form of mm. you know, the nanny, not the nanny state, sorry, but the, um, uh, the snitch state. Um, I hate the, I hate the word snitch because I feel like, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's applied in ways that don't make sense. If you're not in the game and you see some, some situation go down, like, yes, you should say something. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. what people are. I want to point out that does not include people that were doing FTP in June of 2020 and doing FBI in January of 2021. I don't understand that shit. That's some it weird. It makes sense. <laughs> that's wild. Like, I just want them to explain themselves and I want them to know they're not blanketed by what you just said there. But what you just said there is very true. I just I think that so where we are now is you have people who, you know, are encouraged because of the language that's being used in the media about COVID, about what just happened. You know, it's like if you see something, say something. And it's like at what point, you know, and and people who don't understand and know history or maybe they do um, know history. It's like at what point does that where does it stop, basically? So. If I can snitch on my neighbor for, you know, leaving her house without a mask or her children don't have masks on or whatever, you know, manner of of fuckery I think she needs to be reported for, then what happens when the government starts asking you to report people for, for things that are really just arbitrary and because they are a threat to the power status quo? Well, I okay, yes. First of all, yes, resounding yes and and preach. Uh also, this kind of leads into this is where I start getting into like yeah, defund the police because we don't have programs in place that can handle mediation and community exactly. discourse because the the problem is is that people are getting filled with different channels of propaganda and they feel like they can build opinions about things that aren't really opinion based a lot of people have opinions about the law and they live out their lives accordingly lots of landlords and business owners that employ people for example right they just kind of do what they can get away with and what they've typically been uh been kind of like you know whatever the nature of their piercing of ilk you know whatever they're like or the the folks that trained them into Mm -hmm. living the way that they do it's like Um, having non-compete laws right there's a lot of businesses that have non-compete laws because they've seen their other business peers you know enact non-compete laws but those things don't hold up in court ever right right so 
um, yeah, but it scares people and it changes the way that they, especially with creative work, it really fucks with artists capacity to be artists. And that's maddeningly horrible. That's like, I mean, I just, there's a lot of wounds people are walking around with that don't leave like overt bruising or whatever, but like you can see the damage Like you can see the depression, you can see the medication, you can see the diagnoses of different degrees that it's really like clearly people are suffering and struggling. We all have anecdotals. We can see it in statistics, like the power that folks have when the reason I bring up property owners and business owners Mm -hmm. should speak for itself, but obviously they control where we live and mm-hmm. transact in every way they control as consumers and as, as workers or whatever the thing is with all of that, how this all goes and flows. And then they pull all of the power and capital, all of the fiat capital and all of the energetic capital. They keep in these weird clouds hovering above everyone using everything that they're controlling. Mm-hmm. And manage all the rules accordingly, then it seem it just seems like there's this constant trickle up. Right. Like there's no trickle down. It's all all of the all the moisture, all of the life-giving water that flows through our everyday, all of it. Like everything from the things that we get to have and use and touch and all of that to the people that we get to have in our lives and love, the time that we have it just keeps trickling the fuck up. It's evaporating away from us. They're sucking it out of us, just spinning out and creating some kind of, some kind of energetic, but it's just exhaust mm-hmm. or like, revert, like heat that's suctioning everything up. That is a very uh, apt um, analogy. Um, I can actually see that. But then also, you know, I just really feel like we are living in times where people don't understand a lot of the things that are happening. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just mean that it's, it's done to so us. Rap. It's, it's happening so fast. Like we mentioned at the beginning, it's only, it's been less than three weeks since we talked and it feels like it's been a few months. Everything mm-hmm. is transacting is, 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 is moving at a pace that is much faster than I think we've experienced in our lifetime. At least I know for me in my, in my, in my lifetime, I've not experienced time moving this quickly. Yes, it's, mm. it's all, you know, we have the same 24 hours, but the 24 hours are starting to feel like, you know, five weeks at a time. Right. I have, I have experienced this before. Um, in 2011, uh, I fell off an apple cart, a turnip truck at Occupy Oakland and my entire life changed uh, but it was a portal and time moved differently and stuff was happening constantly. And, uh, it was, it was a different kind of thing. It was all personal, uh, cause it was like a, an encampment that was mm-hmm. built on a site that had a lot of people in need already there in the middle of a community. And the more we grew, the more we grew and drew in more of the same, uh, just people. Right. And I, I learned that I was a street minister there and, uh, there's lots of stories and things that could happen from that, but time moved differently. Um, event, cause we process it based on data, not really mm-hmm. the sun. Like we do, there's, there's multiple types of time. And this is actually the science around this. There's like, 
you know, I, I don't have any of the terms handy and I'm not going to get deeply into it <laughs> anyway, but there's uh, super distinct ways that we process time in, uh, they're just like totally separate senses. Yeah. So, I can see um, yeah, like the circadian clock is very, very different from, uh, are you familiar with Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now? I have heard it, Yes. He talks about clock time and psychological time, and psychological time is that space that you can fall into in your mind. Yes, just it's, thinking. I, I would say that's probably the the big thing that happens to people when you know they feel like, oh, I'm just gonna you know go to sleep for five minutes, and then they wake up, and you know hours have passed, but they feel like they've just had a you know a blink of an eye nap, or mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, I'm gonna. Um, I'm not going to close my eyes and do all this. Yeah. I, 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 that's a, that's the best analogy I can come up with. And that's, yeah, that makes sense. For me, I get a lot of time where I'll be like, I'm just going to sit for a second and think and, and lose a significant amount of time just like in my head. Like just mm-hmm. suddenly be like, Oh shoot. Um, and that's not so much the case currently, but the currently is a real recent currently. Another place people do it is, uh, you know, in, in the doom scroll, um, Oh yeah, you know, we, we take fall a ten-minute break to you know uh, jump on Twitter, and then you look up, and it's been an hour and a half. Right, right, and then that right. Okay, so psychological time and clock time. When we go into the feeds, we're in a bunch of people's psychological time mm. combined with clock time, right? And then the circadian clock has nothing to do with any of that shit. Right, <laughs> we're not even thinking about that bitch, like irrelevant. Some people are thinking of it more and some people are thinking of it less, but the more you get stress chemicals flowing in your body, the less capable you are of sensing that shit. Right. I can, you know what? That makes sense though, because that's why people are suffering insomnia, not able to eat so much. It's just a lot of things that are happening at the same time. And we're so inundated with uh, news stories. And especially if you are someone, you know, who likes a place like Twitter, you know, it's very right. easy to absorb all those, even though it's, it's a digital platform, it's very easy to absor- absorb the energy that is coming um, from that digital platform. And most of it at this current time is negative. Mm. Most of it is infighting. Most of it is, you know, are it's a purity test and not in the way that you've described it, but more in the way of how can I assert my superiority over you in real time? And I'm seeing a lot of that on uh, Twitter. And it's not only is it not productive, it's not healthy for people. Um, mm. And it also goes back to, and, I, I, and this is, you know, not to get super, super deep, but this goes back to this idea of having a hierarchy. And mm. so one of the tweets that I saw was, you know, I don't want, you know, someone earning $15 an hour, you know, uh, for, for flipping burgers when I'm a skilled laborer, you know, packing boxes at, um, Amazon. I was like, is this tweet in jest? Like, I don't understand. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's take a lot of heavy lifting. And that's, yes. So yes, skilled <laughs> labor, packing boxes. And my thing was like, I'm oh, not, you know, man. and then someone was upset because I, I made fun of that. And they said that I wasn't a real leftist because I was, you know, classifying work oh. and I was not making it dignified. And I was like, I used to organize people on the ground into labor unions. Like, you're not going to fucking tell me I'm, <laughs> I'm not a real leftist. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but more than anything, it's, it's, you're starting to see a lot of this sort of, you know, weird flexing and, it all comes from a need to be 
in some sort of hierarchy, whether you're for certain things or against them, there's starting to be this real creeping in of how can I assert my dominance energy into all of these spaces and especially on the left. And I don't like it. And it's, it's weird because I don't think anybody is noticing. I mean, I'm seeing people noticing. I'm seeing you talking about it the most clearly. Uh, you're definitely articulating the, the action points and the consequences. And, 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 and I, yeah, I take that back. There are some people who are definitely noticing it and it's, it's more kind of in a passing, but it's just, I'm starting to connect it more to the, you know, what is this need? What, what is this action fulfilling need wise? Like, why do you need to be, you know, uh, the best leftist that there is? Why do you need to be the most poignant, the most salient, the most, why do you need to be that at all times? Why do you need to be on and right and better than at all times? It's a very weird thing to watch unfold because uh, I'm seeing a lot of that, um, especially on, um, I guess, what's now being called the boutique left. Don't really understand how that happened, but the, here we the, are. Bo- the boutique left? The boutique left. What is this? Uh, to my knowledge, because this seems to be relatively new, like, I mean, in the last, like, seven days new um, <laughs> to me. We are. We are ahead of the curve around here. We are always on that hot, hot shit. We are the trend. <laughs> All right. Um, it's 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 a weird situation. So the boutique left is the 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 leftists who are starting to swing, in my opinion, on this. Um, and if anybody has a better definition, please let me know. But it's um, people who are starting to adopt identity politics as the leading criteria for being a leftist. So if you are, for example, if you are someone who is pro force the vote and you also happen to be a Jimmy Dore um, fan or what have you, you can't be a real leftist because a real leftist would not accept a man like Jimmy Dore because he is misogynistic and he's loud and he's obnoxious and he's not the right kind of person to represent the movement. Right. And that's all well, that's happens cool. to identity politics. I just hold up. Cause there's hell, a hell of misogynistic leftists and that whole thing just like pushes right into whatever, if communi- if communism is leftism and communism has to be state communism, then who's doing the state communism if not misogynist? Exactly. Like, we, ah, like, I don't, I can't with the circular logic because I do the whole math, but it happens so fast I can't even catch it in my mind to give words to it, you know? That was just a good moment because I could take the time. It was quick. It was quick. It was like, like, <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with these people, though? Like, because really, um, if that if that argument were to even be a thing you know, anything about misogynistic people or like, you know, like listening to them or like accepting their, I mean, okay. And I don't even, I actually really don't want to talk about this dude on my show, but whatever, uh, this guy, Robert Evans, who hosts a podcast called behind the bastards. There's no point in me not talking about him because he's incredibly popular. Anybody who listens oh, to me is already listening. Man, yeah. I yeah. See. Heard him. I didn't yeah, know yeah. his name though. Yeah. So I've, 
I started listening to him and I got all caught up on uh, all of his content, all of his published content. Mm -hmm. I, I went to every single one of his podcasts. I was super into his shit and I tolerated he laughs through, like he does episodes on just like horrible, horrible people throughout history. He writes essays, yeah, he writes like oral it. essays. Yeah, yeah. So he does oral essays and then he has comedians on that he reads the essays too for um, like pacing and tone. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's a really good format for education. So the issue is, is that you got to sit there and have moments where he's talking about some, every, he's got a trigger for everybody. I guarantee it. And you got to sit there and listen while he's talking about, you know, horrific things that happen to just like a host of black people for like two hours or like horrific things that happen to a host of like just dead babies, like by mm-hmm. the bucket full, by the truckload. Like, and he, the more dead babies, the more he laughs, right? Cause he's it's uncomfortable. Like a weird, it's a weird energy to listen to that because I've heard his podcast and I 100% I, I didn't understand why there was some uncomfortability factor around his podcast, but you're explaining it brilliantly. And that's why he could be nervous. We don't really know because we can't see him. So. He's well, he's been through, he's traveled the world and he's been, he was a combat journalist. Like he's seen horrors mm-hmm. and he's got, He's got PTSD. I mean, he has to have PTSD. He has to. Right. I don't know. He's not talked about that. I don't know. I don't. I'm not making claims about him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm saying I'm saying I from my understanding of what his work has been, I would hope that it traumatized him because what I know he's been through. Right. What I know he's seen and has learned about because even vicariously, he works with trauma. He works with crisis and pain. It's something mm-hmm. I respect deeply. And that's why I tolerate his shit. That's why I tolerate all kinds of energy uh and different he he virtue signals uh having um i think he would he would in his heart at least he would know better than to say so verbally but i think he would consider himself to be an ally of the queer community and yet he can't quite seem to actually represent the queer community in its most marginalized sense in in a respectable way at all. It's something that I've seen him actively mishandle. Um, I've also seen him completely mishandle and degrade mystics and people who are, he's like an academic elitist in an extraordinarily violent sense. And he it's, it's passive aggressive and he would not ever see it unless I literally, somebody could walk him to it. I could be the one, but it's, uh, it's frustrating. And alienating and something that I made allowances for and learned to tolerate in listening to his shit. I would never say that he's not a leftist in whatever definition ever. Like, you know, uh, but also I think he's probably the kind of person that wouldn't care much for that label and term. And he's probably fishy about, he's smelling fish about like weird rhetoric shifting and labels. He also is using, he's very intense. He just put out an episode using insurrection in the title about like the bastards that did it, did the insurrection kind of right. shit. So he's deeply influencing this fuckery that we're talking about, hopefully like stamping out at some point soon. Yeah. Cause I just, I just want us to understand each other better. I use the term Babylon to describe this shit where we're all talking using the same words, but not able not to understand mean, each other. It's like we, we're using the same words, but you know, it's like people are using the word fascist or anti-fascist or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, those words don't mean that. Um, and, and it's weird how we are having a conversation using the same words, but there are multiple conversations going on with those same exact words. Mm. What's the line? You keep using this word, but I do not yeah. think it means what you think it means. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. That meme will forever get play on Twitter for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's one movie I'll never watch again, but will eternally quote. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an awesome movie to borrow quotes from. Yeah. Yeah. So the moral of this episode is like, we're going to work on being more discerning like every day and then being deliberate with our words, like our rhetoric. And it's sometimes it requires literally like saying it the wrong way and taking the time to step it back. And like, I mean, sometimes I don't even catch myself doing it. Like we did, we probably even missed each other's ominous days a couple of times. Cause we maybe were on the same page, maybe weren't for a hot second. Like, I don't even mm-hmm. know, like in the second, but it's a, it's a process and it's annoying. It's really annoying. It's obnoxious. It's really obnoxious. Um, I have I have a bunch of things I'm considering trying to reprogram in my lexicon. Um, I think but, that it, it just requires uh, it, it requires the intent um, and, and acting on that intent. It won't it won't change overnight. But um, if the intent is there with the action put behind it, you know, it'll improve. And that's what we can hope for. Yeah, we can. I said on all sides. On all sides, indeed. On all sides, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I just really, my thing is that I'm like, I'm tired of, uh, I'm tired of thinking I'm in a group of people that I understand. And then it's like 50%, like, oogity boogity, like some kind of just like <laughs> ghoulish motherfuckery starts popping up. And, and they're like wearing the skins of people that I've, I mean, we ate tear gas and suffered and like, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, it's, I, when I talk about, when I talk about the world that I want to see happening, I really mean something specific. Yeah. And, and I mean, people not suffering because they don't have homes or food. Like, that's just wild to me. I just don't get that. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very unique concept for a quote unquote developed uh, nation mm. to be facing. Yeah. I got one other thought. I got one other thought. This is something that's been brewing around in my head and I had planned to deliver it later Mm -hmm. in a different episode, but I'm going to do it now. So on insurrectionist and revolutionary and that kind of language, right? I had this epiphany because I was getting really frustrated the first couple of days. I was like, why are people calling them insurrectionists or like revolutionaries or even attempted insurrect? Like, I guess maybe attempted insurrectionists, but what the fuck? And I couldn't quite put my finger on what was pissing me off about it because the term insurrectionist I've like seen used kind of in like real different contexts, like mm-hmm. uh, revolutionary I've surely seen in different contexts. Right. So like revolutionary yeah. is like, there's like ministers that were getting arrested in 2011 that were my role models because they were out feeding homeless people in parks and the cops would come up and they'd be like, we're going to arrest you. And they'd be like, whatever. And they keep feeding them and get arrested and get out of jail and do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And like that was I was so inspired. That was a thing. Right. Those, that's revolutionary shit. At the time, I was clearly that was, obviously that was revolutionary shit. There was no question about it. That's the words people were using. It was being talked about in this way in my in my field. And so. uh like I get, I get there, there have been all kinds of revolutions, ones that have involved weapons and combat and all kinds of things, but revolution as a concept really is about, I mean, it seemed to tie in with the term progressive and progress because mm-hmm. 
it's about keeping it moving. When you start establishing static things that don't account for the growth and expansion of the human reality, you just get suffering and pain. And so it's about checking in with what problems society is having and solving those problems to keep it moving along. That's, that's basically what I thought. Right. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if that's colloquial. I don't know if there's any distinguished defined, you know, established. I don't know. I couldn't really, because I, I, I agree with you. You know, I think that the language right now is being co-opted to, to mean something else. And I'm not quite sure where that, I mean, I, I, I have an idea where the co-opting is coming from, obviously mm. the mainstream media. And then you have, you know, um, the, the folks who are, um, I guess the access journalists, which I finally understand what that means. Journalists who do it just for the access, not for the actual journalism. Oh, Um, fuck. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, my God. You blow my mind so hard when you do it. You just, like, hit me, like, so quick. Temple blow. Boom. Awesome. Yeah. I think that uh, it's coming from, you know, that class of people. But how how we're we're seeing the co-opting unfold in real time so we won't actually know what the outcome will be until we're on, we're on the other side of it man <laughs> god you're right like uh, angry fish shaking to the he- actually sad and scared fish shaking to the heaven flopping kind of at the heavens um so here's the thing right okay here's what's got me fucked up I genuinely and legitimately feel like it's very important to start establishing a really loud discourse that in a capitalistic, authoritarian, violent, war-saturated, like literally every part of our lives is coded in some tone of war energy. In our personal relationships, we're like avoiding it or figuring out ways to negotiate it if that were not the case. Like, marriage and family therapists wouldn't be such a thriving and booming industry. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so like in that world with that being, that's the state, right? Like that includes the government that includes like all of our like meta society structures and how they interplay together. Right. That's our state, like Mm -hmm. capital S T A T E, right. Mm -hmm. State in that world. The only way to be an insurrectionist, the only way to be a revolutionary is to make a fucking sandwich for a hungry person to put people who do not have homes in a home in a circumstance, in a situation where any expression of pain from the inertia of this system, anything that they show in their behavior is not met with a social worker coming in to micromanage their life or start ripping away support systems and start alienating them and, and shaming and shunning them for the things that they are expressing. Mm -hmm. It's to literally meet it with the opposite, to meet it with community. What do you need? Are you okay? Do you need space? We love you and we are right here when you're ready for us. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing to be calling revolutionary and insurrectionist. Uh, Any of this cosplay shit where people are like, I saw a picture of 1770 something and I'm going to go run with a flag of a different print. I'm going to wear some Viking ass shit. I'm going to go put on a gas mask and get a leaf blower and go to a federal building over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm going to follow marches that have explicitly said they are peaceful and I am going to do my shit and my fuckery covered up. I'm going to cover my face and I'm going to go out, find a march full of people and I'm going to break shit next to them. And then 
And then I am going to argue about diversity of tactics. I'll take my mask off and I'll show up places with my my diploma and I'll start talking about diversity of tactics. That shit, I don't see how that's revolutionary or insurrection. That seems like just the same old kind of war in a different microcosm to me. Well, that's true. I mean, and that's, you know, we, I think the, the biggest difference is we don't, in this particular generation, I was born in 80. I don't know that I've ever seen any, um, anything up close and personal on us or I miss the civil rights, you know, I miss the, um, you know, gay rights. I missed, you know, all the, and not to say that, you know, yes, there's been gay rights marches, but I, I miss those, uh, the opening um, of those movements, right? You know, mm. the Stonewalls, the, you know, the, the Birmingham's and you, you miss all of those because of, of time period. And so now we're in a place where I think we're seeing certain things. We're at the beginning of certain things, but because we're at the beginning, we don't know what those things will materialize into. And mm, that's why true. so many people co-opt the language because if you can co-opt the language, you can stop it before it starts. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there are people who are really worried about what that leads to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't know until we get on the other side of it. And so I think it's really important for us to not just idly stand by and watch the language be co-opted, but just to be as educated as we possibly can on the fact of the word, right? We all agree upon meanings and, and symbols and, and symbols are just agreed upon, you know, facts. When I say green, you know that, you know, green is a symbol. You know what it means because we've all collectively agreed upon what that symbol means. And I think where we're seeing a lot of the co-opting and the shifting is purposeful to take society from one dimension of seeing things into an entirely different dimension of seeing things like insurrection, like revolutionary, like, you know, uh, coups and things like that. It's, 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 it's a wild time to be alive. (laughs) It is a wild time to be alive. Yeah. No. And it's, it's just so, it's so it's complicated and it's hard for people because we're taught to think in very simple ways a lot of the time and the demand to get so complex, uh, a lot of the time people just can't do it. And, you know, when people are presented with a problem that they can't fix, they just normalize it. Yeah. And that's where, that's kind of the phase that we're in. You, you see, and I, and I don't have any malice for people who are trying to, you know, metabolize the, where we are right now. There people have kids, people have lives, people have mortgages, people have things that they have to do. So I don't begrudge or look down on those people. I think it's up to the folks who have that manpower, that brain power to really start pushing back and start really defining what we are um, all collectively fighting for. Because if, I mean, honestly, if you just get off the computer and you have a conversation with people in your neighborhood and you bring up certain things, most people want the same shit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I, I, I don't fault people for where they're at. Um, but I am definitely in a place where I'm planting my feet firmly and pulling people left. Anyone that will move moves mm-hmm. and anyone that's not movable is going to stay where they're at. And that's fine. And, uh, I expect more of us 
like, you know, from here on out, I just constant every day is that that's the case with me from here on out. I expect more of us. I've, I've been holding that in my heart for a long time and I walk around the world just kind of like that's in my head. Uh, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it's going around. It seems to be a bit, but maybe it always is. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. We're all do- we're all doing all right. I think we're all ultimately. doing all right. We're all doing, you know, most of us are doing our best. <laughs> I mean, I think we all are doing our best, and that's it's twisted because I find out, I find myself in positions where I'm I'm I alienate people. It's like I throw out like a you know if I'm like an anime character, there's some fa- like a sonic wave that comes out of my mouth of truth, like blinding truth, and it encompasses them in this alienating ball and shoots them away from me and into a crowd of people like them. And then it just kind of evaporates off of them and they shuffle around in an echo chamber together for a while. Mm -hmm. But the truth is still what it is. And like, I'm not sure how to contain that thing. Like there's some sensitivity issues between me. Cause with, when you, when you're dealing with like circumstances, you got relationships with uneven lives, you know, like people who have different marginalizations, different privileges. I I really firmly visualize bridges as how relationships work. And so it's like uneven bridges. And when things like you could have like, you can have rigs to set systems up so that it's easier to get from one level to the other. But ultimately the person that's below is doing more work to connect those things, unless the person above is going out of their way to do that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if something happens to degrade the relationship, it falls down. Like, I don't know. I just, it's like, I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing people, like, make the choices they're making for their comfort and for their, you know. I just, my I've free-fallen through all of society's safety nets for so many years of my life that I am not really capable of having sympathy for people that uh like cling to toxic institutions for a semblance of security illusions i understand that um i I think part of i think I, i definitely had the same outlook i think part of me um growing in in and also some of the the work that i did on the ground with people is understanding that you know you have to meet people where they are and so Mm. When I, what I try to do is, you know, I understand that for some people, you know, systems works, right? And they, they, they functioned as, as advertised, right? And then for many of us, that's not the case. And so, you know, how do we bridge the gap between those where they see the value because of their own personal experience? How do we bridge the gap to getting them to understand that there are other people who did not, who may have, while they may have had the same opportunity to use that system or be a part of that system or be used by that system because some people have gotten have um have what am i trying to say affinity and affection for systems that they were used by mm-hmm. um and, and you know they just don't have the fortitude to, to see that at the moment just because that's not that's not how they view things, right? Because it worked for them. So if it worked for me, then how could I be used by it? So an example mm-hmm. is, you know, and this is going to be an extreme example, but it is. Uh, one example it. is, you know, um, when 
black children are, are, um, put into the foster care system and then they are doled out to white people, right? People will say, mm-hmm. well, the foster care system works. Look at this situation. And that, you know, black child might think, yes, you know, this is horrible that this happened to you or that the system didn't perform as advertised for you. But for me, you know, I was able to get, you know, what I needed when you were actually being used as a pawn for something that wasn't, um, you were just being used as a pawn for something greater. Hmm. So, and that's not to begrudge anybody who, you know, I'm not saying people, white people adopt black kids are evil. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a reason that we see that narrative in the, in across platforms. It's very difficult to address topics where people's hearts and lives and families are tied into a, it's a tooling, it's tooled into marketing, like propaganda for, um, you know, it's, it's for the, it's for the photo ops when you see it happening in the public narrative. Like that's like, if there's something coming out in the news or if there's things that are like being used in certain instances for mm-hmm. a narrative push of some kind to justify a politic. Um, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that. Like there's a lot of elements to my personal life that just like are tied into my nervous system. that are public discourse issues and people, um, people bring them up topically. I think that's just one of those things. And, and I think that, you know, in order to try to get to meet people where they are, it's just, it's taking in, into account those nuances and really trying to understand. Um, and everybody doesn't have, that's why we have so many people. Everybody doesn't have the heart for the same things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, someone who is going to go specifically and have a, a, you know, a, a chat with someone who is on death row or a chat with someone who is a convicted child molester. I don't have the heart for those things. Right. Mm. That doesn't mean that I think that the death penalty is the right thing. That's not that I think that our, um, you know, judicial system and our penal system in, um, in particular aren't barbaric. I do think those things, right. But for me to go on the front lines, that's not where my, that that's not where my heart lies. Right. And for those people who do, they can go and they can have those conversations and bridge, bridge those gaps. And for someone who has maybe, you know, the heart to, to do something different, you know, um, we, we all have different tolerances, um, Mm -hmm. for different brands of fuckery. (laughs) Yeah. That's diversity of tactics. That's an anarchy tenant. It's like it's because anarchy is applicable in all kinds of different circumstances. I don't, I think that's another one I want to get into before we get off. Like anarchy is not like a in my in my vantage it, from where I sit. It's not something that sits in. I mean, people can be like, this is my full thing and I'm all this all the time. Uh, I don't really see how it works because like it, it's inherently supposed to connect with other like there's other communities, other other forms of existence. And it, it would be. uh it would be antithetical in and of itself if the concept of anarchy was meant to override everything. You right. know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Right? Like it can't. I think that's how a lot of people apply it, though. They try. They try because we are programmed by like imperialism, and so there's certainly. I mean, I definitely have been through phases of thinking all kinds of different ways about this, including the stuff that I say it's not 
it's not this way. Like I, right. a lot of the shit that I'm like, Hey, don't be like this is cause I did it like that's right, right. or do it and catch myself in it all the time. Like I'm, I'm extremely good at being a hypocrite. It's one of my finest skills, <laughs> one of my finest fucking skills. I'm also really good at being like self-aware and insightful about my bullshit. So, Those um, are good things, though. Oh man, I try. I fucking try. Uh, it doesn't serve me that well in, uh, in my life as much as I would like. I, I definitely still run into plenty of bullshit. Um, so like my thing with it is, uh, like anarchy is everywhere all the time and all the other archies are like different filters that go on environments different ways. Right. But they're essentially just civic agreements. But like the second that there was like, what do we do with the COVID people expressed anarchy, right? Like all of America has expressed anarchy throughout 2020. And I watched it happen. Mm -hmm. Like no one can tell me I didn't. Um, so that, uh, the problem with the problem with people who are like, I'm an anarchist and I've got all the patches and I've, I've done the tear gases and what, and I love them and I love them. And they're listening and I love them. I love you guys. Don't get mad. Like it, the problem with it is that they don't necessarily have the easy access to have a discourse in community about the fact that that is what is happening. That's what we're seeing. Right. Like people want to see it. Like they can wear a flag about it or they like things to come in you know packages and yep. uh, to be able to neatly identify all the pieces and put it together yeah. and you know stare at it and marvel out at the structure but you know anarchy is really the destruction of systems and that is happening all the time right well it's chaos and order in their cycle together mm-hmm. like it's not even and, and really with with the systems like destroy is such a complicated word for me. It's so intense. Like, cause I, I think of everything in like a holistic light. Like when you start using words like destroy, I get into like, uh, like decay and, um, like rebirth and shit. And, um, I, I have an episode I recorded, but have not released yet. It's coming out next week. Uh, but it, it suddenly comes up that I'm, I'm a trained birth worker. I've been at a bunch of births. And so I've seen destruction and life come at the same time. A plenty. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, so think, I'm like, that, I think that, you know, in, in using the word destroy, um, you know, probably, uh, probably transition is a better word. There is a sort of, um, life cycle that happens, especially in our community, in our society, we're having a lot of things that are happening. Um, and this is definitely a rebirth. Um, some people are Mm. are referring to it as a reset. Um, those Mm. people are interesting and I love them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that's always fun to, to get into, but yeah, I think that, you know, the system's are in flux. They're always in flux, but much more um, to the brink of destruction at this point Mm -hmm. um, and then transition because the systems are always in flux. Like what was true in 1980 when it came to um, laws and applications of those laws, you know, drug laws, for, for example, right? What was true of drug laws in 1980, probably, you know, um, especially 1984. Thanks, Biden. Um, not 84, <laughs> 94. Um, <laughs> um, but 
<laughs> Wait, no, it's always 1984 in America. That part. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, the drug laws, you know, in 1980 uh, probably looked vastly different than what they did in the 90s. Uh, but those laws still there. So there's always this sort of like ebb and flow and updating and transition, um, even of things that are that are existing and still exist. So I think that people need to really look at it from that standpoint. You know, not anarchy being this all-consuming thing that you are mm-hmm. either for or against, because mm-hmm. it's happening all the time. Yeah, it just comes in cycles, and really, it's funny because like a labor is total anarchy. Like, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, and anarchy is pretty laborious. Like when it when it really is flowing and going, when it's in when it's dominating the environment of a state. Like I defined earlier, the state, like you know, but in microcosm or macrocosm. Um, it flows in contractive cycles and has releases and relaxes and then comes to a head where things like really start stacking and pressing together and then it just pushes through. Yeah. Perfect analogy. Cool. This was a good episode. Yeah. We stayed on a little longer than we initially intended, but that's what happens when you have a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Conversation is always good. I always. Oh, man. Yeah, you're an absolute gem. This is so much fun. I'm so glad that I found you on on internet. On the internet of all places. Oh man. I mean, this I that's one of them things where it's like we're coming through the destruction part, but I really I feel like we're crowning. Like I think it's like beyond crowning actually. I think it's been going for a while and we're like Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, the hardest part is the shoulders. That's where we are. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> so I I can't wait to um, you know, talk to you again and, and hear some of the other things that you've been having in the works and so That's what's up. Cool. Thank you, Mo. This is good. No problem. Till next All time. Right. Yeah. We'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon and everyone who's bought our merchandise. Find the links to all that stuff and our social links on goodmorningmayberry.com. We've got closed captioned episodes on YouTube. Subscribe, listen, and rate us on all the podcast spots. If you're wondering who we are, we is me and my demons. And you can join the Legion by following our Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram, jumping on the Patreon, or just buying one of our shirts and wearing that around, drinking the tears of whoever you like the least uh, out of one of our mugs. And uh, coming back and checking out the next episode. I'm Shift. And always remember to never forget. The hardest part is the shoulders. That's where we are. Yeah, yeah right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to talk a little more for a second before I let y'all go about a planet in labor and what I mean by that. Uh, And I actually really didn't anticipate that this would become relevant to the podcast or any of my work in public speaking, being a public figure, any of this shit that I'm up to, vulnerability, art, emotional exhibitionism. I I want to talk more about the, the thing that I said about anarchy and labor how anarchy is everywhere all the time and everything else is a filter that we put on top of the situation. I've been talking about it this way for years and something clicked for me today, listening to my own words and, um, you know, kind of critically assessing what I was going to keep and cut in the presentation of these conversations. Cause this is certainly a, a work. A, I, I put labor in to creating these episodes. Uh, they feel very organic. I have a lot of people ask me, uh, if I do any editing, uh, if they're scripted, 
which is interesting. Uh, you know, and there's there's parts of there's parts of it that are more planned than others, um, but ultimately it's all organic content that I whittle into the form that it's presented into. So that said, what I had said about anarchy and it being everywhere all the time, the technologies that we develop in human culture as forms of government are technologies that we have to develop. And there are times where there are gaps in how those technologies work to serve our needs in real time. Anarchy is the space that's just left in between where government structures haven't stepped in and haven't made space to focus on building a function to support a system that's that's just naturally occurring, right? So when I compare it to a labor, it's it's literal. It's literal, and it's as above, so below. This is where it becomes really relevant for people who work in academia to start having more reverence and respect for mystic rhetoric and how we engage with data and with our interpretations of what it is that we are experiencing as individuals and all together. Comparing this to a labor and what I was saying about governance and negative space, uh, the negative space concept sort of indicates that it's empty and it's not. It's just not known what's there. It's just not seen. It's a dark side. Comparing this Comparing this to a labor, the governing mind over the body is, it's muted during a natural event, right? The this, this swelling and surging of activity makes the governing mind incapable of managing what it is that is occurring. The spasms and the pacing is calculated and it's beyond the capacity to manipulate truly it can be manipulated in part there are things about a labor that can be augmented or manipulated with alternative technologies both natural and allopathic however it is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be in any instance trying to trying to mitigate parts of it or alleviate parts of it or silence or dampen or quell parts of it specifically and especially without a proper understanding of what it is that's happening and what tools are being applied to try and manipulate the situation uh you know it's just i it's gonna go the way it goes i suppose um i uh i think i'm gonna leave us here now and again, I thank you all for your time. And uh, I'm just really blessed and feeling honored to be in this position to have gotten myself over my own shit and gotten this little project started. Part two of A Planet in Labor is going to be releasing shortly, so keep an eye out for that. Here we go.